This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, 7.06 a.m. on Thursday, the 23rd of February. You're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Chong Jan Sun and Wong Xiaoning. In half an hour, we're going to get the highlights on Hong Kong's 2023-2024 budget that was tabled yesterday. But as always, we're going to kickstart the morning with a look at how global markets closed overnight. U.S. markets ended mixed as the Fed reaffirmed its tough stance on inflation. The Dow was down 0.3%, S&P 500 down 0.2%, but the Nasdaq it was up by 0.1%. In Asian markets, they were all in the red. The Nikkei was down by 1.3%, Hang Seng and Shanghai Composite down by 0.5%, Straits Times Index down by 0.2%, and the FBM KLCI it was down by 0.7%. So for more insights on what's moving international markets, we have on the line with us Vishnu Varthan, Head of Economics and Strategy at Mizuho Bank. Vishnu, good morning. Thanks for joining us today. Now, the FOMC minutes were released last night and everyone is pretty much pouring over the details of that meeting. What indications did they provide as to the Fed's likely direction on monetary policy when they meet again in March? Good morning. Yeah, I think in terms of Policy surprises, there weren't that many. Uh, there have been some reaffirmations and some clarifications. Uh, so some parts of the market found a bit of relief. And the relief really came from the fact that uh, most of the members are in favour of continuing with 25 basis point hikes. Um, and those who had favoured a 50 basis points in, in response uh, to you know upside inflation risk at the last meeting are no longer going to vote. So I think that was the facet of relief. Uh, but most members also felt that they should see more rate increases coming along and they were leaning in favour of uh, doing more rather than less. So that's to say from the December guidance of 5.125% at the end of the year, they may bump it up by 25 basis point to about 5.375%. That brings us to you know 525 to 5.5% kind of uh, territory. There was also uh, the term disinflation missing from the FOMC minutes. So conspicuous by absence because uh, Powell had mentioned it, and this is what got markets excited for a while because they thought the Fed was focusing on disinflation and could turn soon. Uh, so the missing word was one alarm. And the other thing that I think also infuses some caution and will increasingly do so is the Fed reiterated that they probably have to hold rates elevated for a while and see convincing signs of inflation coming down durably before they move. So that's probably where the second half tussle between markets hoping for a turn in policy and the Fed saying that they'll hold steady, that I think it sets the stage for that. And Vishnu, all prices have been sticky in spite of upbeat projections from OPEC and the IEA. Can you walk us through the supply and demand factors that are weighing on price levels and what is your outlook on the commodity? I, I think on the supply side, we, uh, we get the sense that overall, whether by design or uh, or just by circumstances, supply continues to be on the tighter side of things. Uh, OPEC uh, capacity hasn't been fully restored. Uh, US producers are not pumping out a lot, you know, focused on uh, meeting bottom line, so on and so forth. So the supply side continues to be very restrained. Uh, there has been some demand here, uh, particularly from China reopening, and, and it's led by jet fuel uh, demand projections. This is really what caused, uh, I think, some of the more or these were the dominant factors for the upbeat outlook of the IEA and, and, and OPEC. But we also bear in mind in that you know at the end of the day, um, we probably will 
continue to see a situation where the recent uh, signs of build-up in inventory may not last very long because supply can, can continue to be constrained. Geopolitics remains a wild card. While it creates uncertainty and may slightly suppress demand initially, the risk of disruptions remain in place. And finally, if we do get a bit of a downturn in the global economy, that may offset some of the cheer from China's reopening and the travel expectations. What this means is that for the year, even though we expect prices, oil prices to, on the whole, soften uh, because of the slowing economy, as well as uh, you know the, the overall picture of, of some supply restoration, uh, prices will remain sticky on the on the downside, and, and we could see a lot of uh, uh, sudden jumps if geopolitics. Uh, you know, rears the the uglier side of his head. Uh, so on on that note, we think in the first half prices will be quite sticky around where they are. Anything below uh, seventy five to eighty range may may see people coming back to buy. Uh, second half is is much more of an open field, but I think the easing trend could come in there with oil prices perhaps heading towards uh, seventy to seventy five if the global headwinds pick up further. Okay, Vishnu, let's talk about currencies and specifically the US dollar. If we look at the Bloomberg dollar spot index, right, it's really been an up and down pattern. Although most Asian currencies have actually depreciated against it. Where is the US dollar heading actually? And what does this mean for, for currencies like Singapore, which is, which have done really well, though, the standout among all its peers? Even the US dollar wish it knew what it's doing. <laughs> Jerome Powell asks, asks himself that every morning, probably. Absolutely. I, I think the initial case was a case of 2022. Uh, I, I think 2022 was very clear. Initially, it was very, very strong dollar because it's all about rate hikes. And markets were just very happy to quickly flip it and say, look, that's the Fed rate hike peak. That means peak dollar. Let's sell it down from here. But 2023 became the year of confusion because you don't get a compelling case to buy other currencies like the euro or the sterling, which offsets dollar strength in, in a durable fashion, to say to sustain that given the, the risks in place, whether economic or geopolitical. And there's also the sense that the Fed continues to surprise some of, surprise or disappoint, depending on which word you prefer, some of market expectations. In particular, uh, what could happen, not just how much higher rates could go than earlier expected, because these things get priced in really fast, Whereas it's more about how long the Fed could hold it up there um, uh, for the second half of the year. So I think the the US dollar is, you know, it's, it's no longer king dollar. It's relinquished its crown, but it's not going down without a fight. Nobody else has got a claim on that throne either. And for that reason, we think the US dollar will remain pretty uh, volatile. It's going to, uh, I think, showcase some strength against EM currencies, particularly as we price in more risk. I think risk. Risk premium now is underpriced, so that the chances are there'll be more risk off. These scenarios typically favor the dollar. If we get a global downturn that's severe enough, uh, the majority of history tells us that it also favors a stronger dollar. So the, the dollar is surely not a, a one-way downside bet. And to just think about what the dollar is doing, it's just trafficking in, in, in Fed and fear. Whenever the Fed is more hawkish, it goes up. Whenever the markets are more fearful, it goes up. And on neither count are we done yet. If we take a look at the region more broadly, um, Vishnu, given the lingering threat of a global economic slowdown, um, will all ASEAN countries avoid falling into a recession in 2023? Or do you see some countries that will be more vulnerable compared to others? I think the vulnerabilities are, uh, are, are fairly differentiated. And, and I think uh, this is not just in terms of uh, on, on the depth of the downturn, but also the timing of it. 
So, for example, I think a lot of the uh, North Asian countries that have got a uh, huge exposure to semiconductor chips, just, uh, these may see the initial uh, downside risks, particularly given that the uh, global demand downturn is actually being led by the, the uh, soft chip sector. Uh, Korea seems to be fairly vulnerable because it's also got a huge shipping sector and the shipping sector pricing are all coming down now. Um, whereas I think as we go slightly further out, if you get a, a, a more hawkish than anticipated Fed, then you would get some of the, cur uh, the pressures coming through the financial channels and the currency channels uh, for the twin deficit countries such as uh, Philippines, uh, India, uh, where those pressures can start to shake the real economy as well. I think all over the real economy is starting to slow, but where there is a bigger tourism reliance like Thailand, uh, they will hold up better because the recovery in tourism may take more to knock off given the sheer intensity of, of pent-up demand. So it, it is a very fragmented picture, but nothing distracts us from the fact that the manufacturing sectors around the region probably will hit into a downturn uh, and it will be harder to avoid that sector's downturn. Mm. Vishnu, thank you very much for speaking with us. That was Vishnu Varathan, Head of Economics and Strategy at Mizuho Bank, giving us his take on some of the trends that he sees uh, moving markets in the days and weeks ahead. Yeah, on the Fed minutes yesterday, I think what was positive for the market is that most members favour a 25 bips increase generally, but they also feel there should be more rate increases. So that pushes up the terminal Fed funds rate to between 5.25 to 5 0.5% and rates are likely to remain elevated for a while. So I think uh, investors who are expecting a rate cut this year would likely be disappointed. Yeah, probably explains why the US dollar is, the direction is here, there, everywhere, right? So it's almost a daily movement. I think everybody's watching the Fed in terms of what they will do and that will also in turn impact currencies around the region. Can I just point out that the ringgit and USD cross this morning is 4.4440, which I thought was a very interesting number. It's a very ominous number, isn't it? <laughs> but uh, Vishnu earlier was talking about chips and how chips will cause some weakness for economies in the region, particularly South Korea, he mentioned. Uh, we do have an earnings report from that sector. Uh, NVIDIA, their shares jumped in late trading after reporting slightly higher revenue and net income than Wall Street expected despite a year-on-year -year decrease in both categories. The company also gave a bullish revenue outlook for the current quarter, suggesting that a push into artificial intelligence processors is helping offset sluggish demand for personal computer chips. Revenue for the fourth quarter fell 21% year-on-year to just above $6 billion US dollars, which is higher than analysts' expectations of $6 billion. Earnings per share came in at $0.88, cents, which is down 33% from a year ago. NVIDIA's data centre business, which includes sales of GPU for AI witnessed an 11% increase in revenue to $3.6 billion. Okay, but the share price has done super duper well, up 42% on the year-to-date basis, one of the best performing tech stocks, actually chip stocks on the NASDAQ. Uh, if you look at it, whether the street likes this number, uh, name, excuse me, it's pretty much kind of, at the moment, um, I remember that 38 buys, 12 holes, and let me quickly bring up the price. Um uh, 38, 36 buy, sorry, 12 holes, 3 sells, consensus target price for this stock, 227 US dollars. Last done price during regular trading hours was 207 US dollars and 54 cents is actually up close to a 1 US dollar. Okay. I think this is one of the outliers, right? They're doing pretty well. And even their guidance, they're forecasting higher than expected uh, for the next quarter. So, hey, uh, looking to another um 
stock that seems to be doing well is Bumble. I think we have some time for this. Bumble's shares went up 6% after projecting full-year revenue growth for 2023 to be above market estimates and a better-than-expected fourth-quarter earnings and revenue. In other words, the business of love is uh, booming. Yeah, for the full year, Bumble is forecasting revenue growth to be between 16 to 19%, and this is for 2023, and that's the midpoint of which analysts ex- estimates of about 16.9%. For fourth quarter, total revenue rose 17% to $242 million. Total paying users increased by 14% to $3.4 million compared to $3 million. Okay, the street likes Bumble. 12 buys, uh, 8 holes, no sells. The street clearly still believes in love. Uh, Consensus target price for this stock, $25.88. US It's actually up $0.82 cents to $23.34. US but I want to highlight that you should actually compare this with the other app, uh, Match, which is the bigger brother in the room. But if you look at it in terms of a one-year share price performance, actually both are down. Match is down 60%. Bumble is down close to 5%. I think because analysts do think, hey... We can all go out and mingle again. We just don't have to do it anymore online or on our phones. You know, our options are much wider. All right. It is 7.19 in the morning. We have a quick message for you before we head into a break. As fears of recession and inflation mount in an increasingly uncertain economic environment, thinking long-term has become crucial to anyone's wallet. But where do you start? From the stock market to unit trusts, robo-advisors and even cryptocurrencies, where should you park your money in today's world? Join us at BFM Ringgit and Sense, investing through a stormy 2023 event where our expert guests will share insights and tips. Happening on Wednesday, 1st of March, get your tickets at bfm.my forward slash events. The event is presented by Sun Life Malaysia, your lifetime insurance and takaful partner. After the break, we'll cover more top stories in the newspapers and portals this morning. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.